Hello and welcome to our very first episode of our film podcast. Uh, is yet to be named. We don't have a name for it yet. We're just kind of feeling it out right now. Uh, my name is Ben. Uh, my name is Matthew. And I'm Colin. And uh, we're all just kind of film buffs here. Uh, Colin, would you say you're a film buff? I appreciate uh, the title of film buff, and I will probably wear it with pride from here on out. Uh, previous to 30 seconds ago, I probably would not have said that I was a film buff. I would probably describe you as a man who enjoys movies. Yeah. Like, Do you think that fits the definition of a buff? No. <laughs> Neither do I. But I, my, my goal for you is that you become a buff. Mm -hmm. Just like the people listening, they can become buffs. Yes. Yes. I think so, Colin. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. I'm pridefully um, arrogant when it comes to knowledge of films. How long have you been into films? Oh, well, I'm a self-proclaimed cinephile which is really a strange title to declare. But, but I, I, I love film. Uh, of, I love being a student of film. And uh, I, I don't know, there was a couple years ago that film became something so much more than entertainment. Uh, it became something to learn from and to be formed by and to understand the world better. And so I like to be entertained like the next guy, but I also see a much deeper layer for film than I used to. So that's why I like this. Do you have any idea what changed to make you think that? Um... I think honestly, I just found myself being. I I started researching what were considered good movies, and uh, as I started researching what was considered good movies and not just what was the biggest at the box office, I began watching things and being exposed to films that weren't necessarily popular and what everybody knew. And I found myself being extremely moved by those films, and I realized there were conversations being had by film um, on issues that I think mattered deeply to me uh, as a Christian, as a pastor, and and. Um, so I don't know. I started realizing there was a lot more out there uh, when I just started researching and watching things that maybe I'd never heard of before. So it's probably when that shift started happening. I have a question before then. Ben, what is your background in film? So I have done two years of film school. And other than that, uh, see, I've been in the industry for about uh, 10 years or so. I'm just doing uh, being a, a freelance videographer. Um, some full-time as well, uh, and just being an overall film buff. Well, one thing Matthew said that I think is might be a good question before we jump into talking about a specific movie, and that intrigues me, as you know, the, the common man of the group, <laughs> is that um, I often see a big difference in like a movie critic's rating of a movie and like a common man's rating of a movie. Absolutely. Why, I don't know, do you, can you explain that? Why do you think that is? Like when you look at Rotten Tomatoes and, uh, you know, the critics view is high and the audience view is low. Yeah, you get like 80% critics and like 40% audience right, or vice right. versa. I think personally, this is where my shift came a couple years ago probably. And caring so much more deeply about this is, one, I love Rotten Tomatoes. I love Metacritic even more. Um, I don't think they're always right. And I don't think film critics are always right. But I appreciate the work of a film critic because... I think they understand, like most people sit in the seats to watch a film and they are completely in it for themselves. They just want to be entertained. And I don't think they're always actually looking at artistically, what is the director trying to do? What is the cinematographer trying to show? What, like, what is the message of this movie? Um, realizing this is art, like this is trying, like art tries to say something. And so I think the critics are critiquing on a much deeper level of how that process of communicating, whether it's through camera, through script, through acting, through direction, um, I, I think they're analyzing it from a different bar. Um, you know, is it consistent? 
uh, is you know, and, and a lot of things like that. So I, I think the disparity between critics and fans is I think honestly they're looking for different things sometimes. That's a, that doesn't mean critics can't enjoy laughing and just being you know fun, but I, I think they're treating it as art, which is I don't think necessarily people that go to the movie theaters often are critiquing it from a art standpoint. But. I would agree. Um, I think most people or a lot of people just kind of watch movies and they don't really they're not really critiquing it or they just kind of want to turn their brain off after a long day and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, especially right now. <laughs> especially right now. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question though of escaping. Is like for most directors and actors and actresses and screenwriters, like we are doing it to escape. And I think it's probably not their goal is for us to escape. Their goal is to take us somewhere. Right. You know, their goal is to, you know, not nothingness. Like to me, you know, but yeah, I, I like escaping sometimes too. I think there's also a difference between uh, certain films are uh, do you have like a, a director or a screenwriter or a producer with a vision? Um, and then there are some that are just plain spectacle. Well, like Michael Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about with vision or spectacle? Oh, spectacle. Okay, yeah. Or like, to me, I think a lot of the, the Marvel movies, most of them are uh, spectacle, or a lot of Star Wars movies as well. Excuse me, I'm just going to uh, see my way out right now. Thank but, you for my time on the but podcast. But spectacle is not bad. Spectacle no, no, pretty. I'm not People saying like it is fireworks. bad. They don't have a message, they just... Yeah. I'm not saying it is bad, I think it's just intent. You have the creator. Um, to me, I, I tend to... I tend to gravitate towards the stories that do have something to say and uh, aren't spectacle, even though, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Colin? <laughs> well, why do, you, why do you like spectacle and Marvel so much? Because I enjoy all the Marvel and Star Wars movies, too. I think because, maybe I'm about to turn the corner that you said you did a couple years ago, but I think for me it really has been like, I just want to get home and just be like a potato on the couch and just watch something and take it in and not think and just be wild. And I think thus far, for me, that has been what I would call the, the escape, as opposed to the escape being the intrigue and the, uh, I mean, critique in a good way. I mean, the way that uh, really is looking for those details, looking, making, seeing if it makes sense, seeing, thinking through of why did they do it this way? Why is there this random train going through the snow for years? <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, but or foreshadowing. So. Upcoming podcast. I, I think, Colin, you just said something that I think is really important. And you know, this is kind of a, a moving uh, ebb and flow podcast here. But I do watch film to escape. I think that, I don't know if anybody can relate here. Here's three guys that work at a church. We love our job. We love our church. But like any other job in life, there's a point to where sometimes at the end of the day, like, I don't feel anything. You know, there's a sense you're tired, you're numb, um, stressed, you have anxiety and stuff, and you do want to escape. And what I have found about film as I've, dove, as I've taken a deeper dive into the world, the vast world of film out there, is I do end up escaping. And I escape into a world to where it forces me to feel something. And sometimes I do, I need to feel something because I felt like sometimes you just feel a very strong emotion over here towards what you experience in a workday. And I, and I need to feel something different. Um, I, I'd like to actually experience a real story outside of just the, maybe, maybe the story that I had that day, right? And that's not that life is bad, but to me, it is still escape. Um, it's just like, I, I want to feel something. I want to be moved by something. Uh, maybe that's the preacher in me. But like, I, I want to feel and be moved by something and to be challenged 
Um, so it's still escape. It's just a different type of escape. It's kind of like a name brand beer, the way I look at it. Because, like, you know, it's it's not, to me, some of those spectacle movies, like, or those turn your brain off movies aren't, um, aren't that, they're they're the they're the they're the PBRs. You know what you're gonna get, and you might enjoy yeah. it. At the end but of the day, you know that's kind of what you want. At the end of a long day. Um. All right. So let's get into. Uh, you guys ready to get into the film? Yes. All right. So uh, every every episode, we're aiming to probably talk about. Uh, we're all gonna watch a film and then discuss it. Um, at least that's probably what we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Well, yeah. Who knows? We're still we're still figuring it out, but. Um, so this this first film that we've chosen is uh, Short Term 12, a film you've probably never heard of, but it's fantastic and we love it. Uh, it's, uh, or at least I did. It has Captain Marvel in it. Yep, it's got Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. It, it's got a lot of great actors who at the time... Brie Larson. Not, not, so, not so much Brie Larson, but at the time, like a lot of these actors and actresses that were in it uh, weren't very big. But if you were, if if someone were to look, to go watch it right now, like when I watched it, I was I was thinking, hey, it's that person, it's that person, it's that person. It's like, where's Waldo? Um, it's like a who's who of all these fantastic actors that aren't yet big. I stumbled upon Short Term Twelve back in 2013. Yeah, this was your movie. Yeah, and the, I end up stumbling every year across like some movies that you know you might not have heard of because I, I notoriously each year try to conquer like the top uh, rated movies on Rotten Tomatoes or you know, Metacritic just to see what it was. And I saw Short Term 12 and it's insanely highly reviewed. And so I watched it having no clue about anything, you know. And I was just blown away. Um, and back then in 2013, what's funny is I rewatched it for this podcast. But like, I mean, I didn't know who Brie Larson was back then. I didn't know who Mr. Robot was. <laughs> you know, like... Uh, Rami Malek. Yes. Uh, you know, like I didn't know who uh, Lakeith Stanfield was. Um you know, like these were people I was completely unfamiliar with. And to look back now, it's, it's always interesting to watch a movie that's not recent and to see how those people have blossomed on the scene. And what's interesting is an obscure little independent movie called Short Term 12 was literally the launching pad for quite a few of these people. Um, would it not have been for Short Term, Short Term 12? Like there would probably not be, you know, maybe some of the people's, you know, names now that are just like names that we are so familiar with, or at least visually we've seen them in films. I am... Um, I think what I like so much about Short Term 12 is it dealt with an issue that I don't feel like is, like, I, I think a lot of times in life what we do is we try to avoid the pain, other people's pain. We try to avoid um, the complexity of abuse. We try to, you know, like, like we know there's children's homes out there, but it's like, they're, yeah, they're good, but I don't want to serve at one. <laughs> you know, like, right. it's like, I'm glad that that exists. But like, that's why I like watching films like this is like, I typically wouldn't maybe spend my day at a children's home, but this forced me to actually live in one for an hour and a half. And to be able to, there's so many messages that come out of this for me, but, but I, 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 was, I was appreciative to be taken to a context that I probably wouldn't normally be in. Um, and to live in this, the pain of the people that work there, the pain of, and, and, and of the, the kids, but also not just the pain, uh, just the pure joy and delight as well that these, people who'd all had trouble past that served there and with these troubled children that are living there, like there was also immense joy and laughter and that I, that I really appreciated. There's much more I could say, but just in general, I, I found it to be completely moving um, on many levels. Well, the thing I noticed right off the bat in watching it and in this, not necessarily being the type of film I would normally watch, was how much 
it was very interesting how it felt like a documentary, yeah. even though it was, I guess, technically a drama. Yeah. Um, but it, it felt like it very much just could have been a documentary about uh, short-term housing for foster kids and could have very well been a very true story. Yeah, I think everybody felt very real. Um, the situations and the and the characters and the pains that they were going through, it all definitely felt very real to me. Yeah, I think it's shot in a fairly simplistic manner that makes it feel like found footage a little bit. Like, I mean, like, you know, it's not like, it, it, it feels like you're, you're really right there. It's not overly produced. Like, you feel like you're, from the very opening scene as you watch Brie Larson, like, ride up on the bike, you know, it's like, there's just this simplicity to what you're watching, which I do love um, that the film bookends, which we could get into later. It begins with a scene outside the building and the conversation, and then it ends with a conversation outside the building, which I think just artistically, I love bookends. I love, I love when films do that. I love when Pulp Fiction does that. I love like a lot of films that, that come back um, to center. I, I think that one of the things that I appreciated so much is I really emp I empathize with Brie Larson's character, Grace, um, and maybe this is because this is what I like. I find myself wired like her now. Not that I have a, an abusive past by any means, anything like her, but she's like a rescuer, and you know that she, as you realize later in the film, spoiler alert. But we're gonna always have spoiler alerts in our podcast. But you know she, you know she is somebody who is serving at a place where there are children who have suffered from many different forms of neglect, uh, some abuse, but you don't realize what she had gone through till the end of the film, um, you know, but you just get this sense, you watch her throughout the film. I even documented like all the times you watch her just picking the skin off her thumb, which, you know, ironically, that's something I do, which I don't know what to even make of that, but like, but she would just pick and pick and pick and it would always be at these moments to where you could tell something happening in the present was causing angst um, to her because she could relate that she'd been through it. But what I, what I love about her is I've realized of, of vulnerability and a flaw in myself is that she is trying to spend all her time helping other people, but actually isn't very good at actually self-love, taking care of herself. Um, she wants to help this girl, Jaden, who is being abused by her father. Um, but then you find out that she's been with this guy, you know, Mason for three years and has never opened up and said anything to him. And so you're watching somebody desperate to help other people who are going through the same thing she's been through, but unable to actually help herself. And really, what I think the film's about more than anything is not even the kids in the, in the short term 12, it's the name of the place where they live. I don't even think it's so much about the romance between her, um, man, what's his name? Mason. Mason, yeah. I, I think it's really a story of her finally coming to a place of being willing to get help. And, and to me, that's beautiful. And, and to realize that... She can't, you can't live your life hiding from the pain of your past. Um, and sometimes we try, to, we try to do that by helping others. Um, if I do enough good things, then I'll just forget my past. And, and I don't know, I, I think that was, I can do that sometimes. I just busy myself. Um, and I don't actually deal with my own internal things I need to deal with. So I really appreciated her character. Yeah, I liked how there was a lot of um, her seeing herself and other people and uh, kind of projecting like her own um, things that she needed to deal with onto the, uh, other character, I forget her name. What was the other character's name? Jaden. Jaden. That's right. I know. I know the actress's name, Caitlin Denver. Caitlin Dever. And the two of them were actually in a film together, the Spectacular Now, that same year. Oh, really? Yeah. So a lot of these people connected. She's a she's another uh, actress that I, I I see everywhere, and I'm like, oh, hey, it's that person, you know. Well, she even says in the film that I had not thought about it and I had not spoken about it until I met you. Was that somehow, some way, when she saw Jaden? 
all the troubled kids that had come through, this one was like looking in the mirror. Yeah. And that that changed everything. Do you think that's kind of what the movie's about? Looking in the mirror? Yeah. You know, like seeing yourself in other people or seeing your pain in other people. I think so. I, I, and I think, it, I think it's showing that you have to be willing to look in the mirror. Yeah. Because I think that this is a character who avoided looking in the mirror for however many years. Um, but all it took was one quick glance when she saw herself in another character and her life fell to pieces. Um, and there were drastic consequences that would follow because you, you can't hide from the mirror. And, and I think ultimately you have this line that I wrote down that I thought was so huge. You know, like she literally, because she finally saw herself in the mirror, almost threw away her engagement, threw away her child, almost threw away her job because she, she had avoided looking in the mirror all this time. And when she finally looked at it, like everything's about to go into shambles. And then there's this moment um, that what happens is... You know, she she goes and tries to save Jaden and they brings her back to short term 12. And then she goes back uh, to her house with Mason and Mason says the words. He says, Marcus is going to get better. And here's the moment that I think everything she, she says, I think I am, too. <laughs> she says, I think I am, too. And I think the reason she got at that place is Jaden is the mirror in the story and she goes to that house and there's this moment where they're sitting outside of the house on like the curb and she actually shares what her father did to abuse her. And I don't know that she had ever said that to anybody up until that point. And I think once she shared that, you then saw Jaden actually showed the scar from that day of where she had been abused by her father. It was through the vulnerability of one that she became vulnerable. And then I think at that point she realized I can be okay. Like, mm. But I don't think she would have felt that way had she not opened up and looked in the mirror and spoken. That's a good point. So one thing we said earlier, or at least I'll say now, is it was definitely like a heavier movie, I thought. Oh, yeah. But uh, here's a trivia thing uh, from IMDb. is that The uh, original film was over two hours long, uh, but when the director Creighton wanted the final cut, he wanted to be under 100 minutes because he said the original cut of the film was too heavy and made you feel pretty depressed about humanity. <laughs> so a number of scenes were deleted to lighten up the film's mood to a final runtime of 96 minutes. Wow. So I'm like, wow, what <laughs> what parts did they take out if this was the uh, lightened up version of the film? That's a good point. <laughs> So you could tell this was uh, Matthew's recommendation for a movie. Uh, I'll, I'll apologize in advance that I can be long-winded. Oh, no, that's fine. Don't apologize for that. Well, talking to you about it helps me appreciate it even more. And maybe that's some of the hope of anybody listening to this podcast. Because I watched it the first time, and I was like, <laughs> I think I texted Ben right afterwards. And I was like, what even, there was no resolution. Like, this was just about uh, life in a foster care home that, like, I mean, yes, there's some, some resolve at the end, but nothing like major, or I, I didn't see it necessarily as much the first time. But like talk, hearing you talk through it helps me see and appreciate those things a little bit more. Well, I hope anybody listening to this podcast, um, I mean, I feel like this movie helps expose something that a lot of people deal with that never show people, which is their scars. And, you know, you see Brie Larson's character, Grace, you see Jaden's character, that they, that they have been people who have cut, you know, with self-harm. And I feel like that's something very prevalent in our culture that I feel like very often isn't talked about. And what I think is interesting is, you know, maybe the three of us who maybe haven't had the similar experience, we can view the film and think, man, that's not much resolution. 
But man, that was that was an, for somebody who watches this film, who has been a, someone who's experienced self, who has inflicted self harm, they would say that's the biggest jump ever. Like like this movie, like she went to counseling. Uh, she, 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 you know, to hear the line that I think I can be okay. Like I, I would love for anybody to watch this podcast and to watch this film and realize like I, I can be okay. Like there's a line in the film where she cuts herself and she's bleeding. And she says, it's like, why do you do that? She's like, well, it's harder to feel anything else when you, when there's blood coming out of your body. Like, you know, she, she was avoiding feeling. And I don't know, I, I'm sure somebody listening to this or watching the film needs to know, you can be okay. Um, but you gotta be willing to look in the mirror. And, uh, but. I think people can relate to that, like no matter what, um, at least the idea of trying not to, you know, feel pain or trying to substitute pain with something else. I think anybody can really identify with that on some level. I think an interesting question maybe to ask each other is, who was your favorite character, you know, in a film like this? Who did you relate to or maybe who'd you just enjoy? I really liked Lakeith's character um, and probably Jaden, I think. Uh, oh, also Brie Larson. <laughs> There's so many good ones. I don't know, all three of them really, really spoke to me personally. Interesting part about Lakeith is uh, his first actual uh, title in his filmography on IMDb is Short Term 12, the short. It was a short before it became a full film. And um, we now know him as somebody who, he was in Selma. He, wasn't he in Atlanta? Yep, he was in Atlanta. Um, he was in a movie called Dope. He was in um, Get Out, which if you haven't seen yep. that, we should do that in a podcast sometime. I mean, he's been, sure. he's been in a whole bunch of stuff. But literally after doing the short, uh, he decided to quit acting and uh, canceled his cell phone service. And the director was like, I got to find you because we're actually making the movie. But yeah, I thought, I thought his character um, was awesome. I was I was worried we weren't gonna get some kind of resolution on him. Ah, oh, the final but then scene. at the very end they like and and I like that it's a story that you don't see it because mm. like because uh, that's all they get, you know they don't they don't get to see the re- and and in life too they don't, they don't get to see the resolution that they wanted from this character. But hey, they heard a story like oh I hear that he's okay and just the hearing that he's okay is enough for them. And to even hear he drank a cappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> and as small as that is, like when you watch this movie, you're like a cappuccino is a big deal. Right. Right. You know? If you're um, for the listeners, if you guys are uh, are kind of lost right now, I highly recommend watching the movie. Um, I just want to say real quick, uh, it if you do want to watch the movie, it is um, at, at the time of this recording, it is on Amazon Prime uh, for free. So obviously, I mean, Amazon Prime's not free, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it is. It is view. If you've viewable. succumbed to the Amazon Empire, it's yeah. free. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Colin? Is there a character that you appreciated? Uh, this is where it's hard for me. I think I have a lot of room to grow. I, I mean, I'm looking back on it. And again, I think this film was me like kind of dipping my toe in the water of really analyzing and appreciating. Um, I mean, I think I got to go super simple and probably just say uh, Brie Larson just because uh, Grace, the main character, I mean, was the main character and where I struggle to like keep up with what's going on i feel like at least hers had the most of what was going on with it and was able to uh relate sympathize a little bit more maybe for the same reasons that you mentioned matthew just in that i mean i've been very fortunate and so i can't really connect with some of the issues of just all the individuals in the home but i could connect with her heart for uh improving and being there for those folks um well, Nate was the guy who came in there and worked as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like Nate a lot. I thought that, uh, and maybe I liked him just because, like, 
I felt a little bit more like him yes. in it, in that like this person just stepping into not understanding hardly this world at all uh, from the very first time that he was there. And uh, what did he say? Uh, he said, "I want to help." underprivileged yes. kids i yeah. think and like and, like what do you mean <laughs> yeah and it blows up in his face and but i mean that's something that i mean i might would even i mean i'd like to think i wouldn't say that but like still that's we're trained to almost think of others like that and uh i think this film was a good chance to see behind that curtain i think i was actually sitting here going to choose nate and I think you nailed everything pretty much I wanted to say. I think Nate is meant to be the audience that's watching the film. I was just going to say that. Ah, you like, beat me to it. I think he is genuinely meant to be the character through which they understand themselves. Um, that we view these children as charity cases and not people to be known. Um, that we view them as lesser. Like, they, they are a description. They are underprivileged people. Um, and I love that, like, honestly, there's so many moments in the film. There's these little lines. Like, there's this scene to where they're holding down Jaden because she was losing yeah, her mind yeah, yeah. and then a cupcake gets smashed in Brie Larson's face. And then, then she spits icing on Rami Malek's. Uh, Rami, yeah. Yeah. Is it Rami Malek? What's his first name? Rami Malek. Rami, like spits it on his face. And it's like, the whole problem here is that Jaden is losing her mind. <laughs> yeah. And literally Brie Larson's like, Nate, are you okay? <laughs> Not good. Not good at all. <laughs> like, yeah. And I feel like that's how most of us would be if we actually left our comfort. We don't think our lives are comfortable all the time, but they are in comparison to so many situations. And I think that we would be like Nate. We would say something dumb, which I think we have to be willing to say something dumb to help people. Sure, sure. And I think that, I think somebody like Marcus, that character, eventually, you know, receives Nate's character because Nate doesn't leave. Like, Nate's going to say some dumb things and say things that are ignorant, but he keeps coming and he keeps helping. And these, these kids become more than a charity case. They become his people. And then by the final scene of the movie, which bookends from the front, you're like, okay, th th he's home now. Like, they, like he's, he loves these kids now. He gets it, you know? And I love that. Yeah, he's the perfect vessel for the audience. You know, like in like the beginning to the end, in the middle and the end, he's just, he's, he's feeling all the things we're feeling. And he's, he's like, he's perfect in that. Um, I wanted to say in the beginning, like even in the beginning, um, he's just sitting there listening to the story. You know, and then when the when the kid runs out there, you know, and he's just he's again just experiencing it with he's like, oh, what's going on? And they're like, oh, don't worry, you know, and uh, just the there's a moment in the beginning where um, after they after they tackle the kid and they and they take him back where Nate's just sitting there and he's just like he's just kind of looking around and the title comes up. And that's a that's a perfect example of how the audience is feeling right mm. there. It's like, oh well, this is it. <laughs> this is what you're in for. And we're just kind of lost. Like, what have I got myself into? I'd like to, I think, shamefully, I can't say that I've seen this. And in the midst of all the racial tension that's been surrounding our country this year, I think just to give a little bit of a tip of the hat to the director, uh, this is a fairly new director, uh, Destin Daniel Cretton. Um, this was his second feature. Um, his, his first feature uh, was, what was it? Um, something about a hipster. Um, it, it's uh, here. I'll find it real quick. It was I'm not a hipster was his first movie. But then after short term 12, he did the glass castle. But maybe the film everybody's familiar with this year is just mercy. Uh, he, directed, oh, he did that. He directed just mercy with Michael B. Jordan. Um, and which I know that like they streamed everywhere for free for a while just because for people to be able to see this story with all the racial tension. So that this was directed by the same guy. So that was definitely his biggest film to date. So to go from something small like short term 12 to 
to Just Mercy. That's kind of the progression of Cretin. So. Yeah, I just got uh, HBO Max, and I love it, by the way. It's um, awesome. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but uh, I looked at the upcoming section, and Just Mercy is uh, about to show up, so can't we'll wait to, to watch We'll that. have to talk about that. Sometime. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Um, anybody else have anything to say about Short Term 12? Oh, I think maybe we should, for the sake of consistency, maybe uh, your, your uh, final rating of the movie. Are we going to do that? We can. <laughs> I, uh, I looked back at 2013, and I've been giving star ratings to films for a while. On, like, what, Letterboxd? Yeah, like, Letterboxd is uh, it's a social media platform, kind of like Goodreads for books, but uh, you can rate movies, re- review movies, you can log them, make lists. Not a sponsor. Not at all. But uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I gave short-term 12 five-stars. And I pretty much give that to something I say is pretty much masterful that I don't think I'd change anything. Um, there's not like a glaring hole for me. Like I, I just, it doesn't mean it's even my favorite movie. It's just, I can't find a problem with it. And I rewatched this movie before filming, uh, watching this, recording this, whatever we're doing. And uh, it, 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 the rating held up for me. Like I just, I, I, was, I was moved just as much as I was the first time. I mean, maybe more. I mean, I was freaking floored um, in so many different moments. And uh, I felt I felt things that I needed to feel, and I felt joy all at the same time. And I, I, to me, it, it's it, it's masterful in what it attempts to do. So I would still give it five stars. I think I would also give it a five stars. Um, I can't. I same. I can't really find a flaw. I just I love how personal it is. Um, to I love all different types of movies, but the ones that I gravitate more, towards more are just the ones that are very personal and the, where the motivations aren't motivated by plot. Again, nothing wrong with that. Just. Those are just the ones I like more or tend to like more. Colin? I think I'm about to be shunned. No, you're not. No, that's okay. Uh, I think I'll go with a three and a half. There you go. That's you're good. Banned. I consider uh, that a good film. <laughs> I consider three and a half a good film. Uh, I think this may be another a conversation for another podcast is like, how do we define our ratings? Yeah. Uh, I think for me, I, I hear everything you're saying. It was a good film. It, you know, garnered emotion, didn't have very many holes, but, I mean, I had to try very hard. Like, I had to put in work to enjoy it. There you go. Like, it was, it's worth it if you kind of put in that intentional effort, you put in that intentional, uh, even brain power into processing it, um, but I had to work really hard to enjoy it, and so, no, I, appreciate that. I think because of that, um, again, that's, where I, that's more my background, what I'm bringing to, um, but it's closer to three and a half. I mean, maybe four on a good day. We're going to get but... the ratings of what they mean one day, but if you would have said three stars and lower, there might have been a problem. But like, as long as you're saying it's a good film, yeah, I can appreciate that. Yeah. It's okay to have difference of opinion. Oh, and even uh, from a cinematography <laughs> okay standpoint, it was, very good. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. Like, I really appreciated uh, the feel of it, the way it was filmed. What do you think could have been better? Uh, for you no judgment I think if it just would have been hmm, that's a good question um, I don't know if I have a great answer right now I think I'd likely just say like I said I had to try really hard like it took a lot of mental uh, fortitude just processing to really get it out of it and like hearing y'all talk about it I'm like oh wait I liked all those things sure. but I, I didn't get there on my own 100% sure. and so I think that's what it is kind of making like I needed help in appreciating the movie okay. more than I could appreciate it on my own. And I think one of the things you told me after watching it was that I think you just kind of would have preferred a little bit more resolution. You kind of felt like you were left hanging. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean it's like we have. A, I mean we hear more about uh, Grace and you know her kind of 
starting to address her past more. You know, we hear about what happens to the 18-year-old that moved out and saying good, but like, still a foster care system that's still yeah, like, still broken. it's like there's going to be just because those two kids moved on and good things happened to you, like, there's two more that filled their place. And, well, like, and also, I just kind of, like, felt empty. There was not, like, a happy ending. Which... Oh, yeah, and you're like, do they get married? Do they have a baby? Is yeah. it okay? You know, does Marty, does anybody die? You know, there's, you know, there's all those things. Like, is Jaden okay? And so there's still lack of resolution, which might be the point of the whole film is, yeah, there is, and we need, yeah. to, we need to fix this. But, yeah. you know, I think that, um, no, I appreciate that, Con. I do. Uh, to give some encouragement, not towards like, hey, there's anything great here. I, I found that I go read other people's reviews afterwards uh, of films, and I try to understand where they're coming from. And it doesn't mean I always agree with their high rating, but it can um, it can kind of peel back like an onion layers of depth that I didn't know. And something I found is that if a film sits with me and it stays in my brain, like, and it's it, it, then very often that becomes something that I appreciate more because I'm like, hey. This didn't just like go in and out. Like this sat with me. I'm still thinking about it. Like even though like I don't get it, maybe I'm still frustrated by it. Like if it still sits with me, that that's a sign of something of worth to me. But. I would watch it again, and I would recommend it to someone else. So touche. I I prefer a little bit of ambiguity. Um, I, I don't I don't usually like it when everything's wrapped up in a bow. Like I don't I don't turn it away, but I prefer a little bit of ambiguity when when things end personally. Well, we recommend Short Term 12. Maybe we're going to have films that we watch to where, to where we also don't recommend it. But uh, from, <laughs> from a three-and-a-half uh, review from Colin, uh, we, we can all consensus uh, from the unnamed podcast, To Be Determined podcast, give a clear recommendation to watch uh, Short Term 12. Um, and so... Yep, watch it on uh, Amazon Prime or rent it. And, uh, tell, you know, see for yourself. Uh, I guess that's it for this, for this week's podcast. We gotta figure out how to close these things. Yeah, we do. Do we need like a like a catchphrase, like a slogan or something? Just do it. <laughs> do better. Do better. Yeah, we'll figure it out, guys. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time, y'all. See you later.